Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! A weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hey everybody, Mitzi Khan here, and thank you for tuning into another episode of FinTech Fridays. Uh, just before we get started on this episode, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, I just wanted to announce that we're super excited here at the NCFA to be launching the fifth annual 2019 FinTech Financing Conference and Expo, better known as FFCon 19, uh, which is going to be happening on April 3rd to 4th in Toronto, Canada. FFCon 19 is an immersive two-day conference and expo featuring high-growth startups, emerging technologies, regulation, game-changing projects, the latest trends, deal flow, and investment opportunities. This year's theme is fearless, which so much global risk in the air, U.S. versus China, Canada and China, Brexit, fintech industry adoption challenges, startup funding challenges, scaling issues, FFCon 19 is empowering companies with everything they need to build an amazing next generation businesses right here in Canada, taking them global to show off to the world. We're launching it this week and registration and partnership opportunities will be opening up soon, so stay tuned and get involved. Uh, Without any further ado, Here's episode 22 of the Fintech Friday podcast with Amar Najjar, the CEO and founder of R2 Investments. Uh, so Amar, could you just for the audience, give us a little bit more of essentially what R2 Capital is since you are the CEO and the founder? Sure. R2 Capital is Canada's first online marketplace, a technology-based platform that connects retail and institutional high net worth investors alike into private commercial real estate deals, income-producing properties, uh, shopping centers, plazas, medical office buildings, apartments, multifamily, student housing, as well as uh, higher-yielding development uh, projects. You see a lot of construction cranes all around Canada, especially in GTA, uh, a lot of action in Victoria, Vancouver, Montreal is picking up right now. So we are um, through and through real estate guys. I used to work with uh, Jones Lang Casal as head of their debt capital markets group. And before that, I worked with uh, some of the banks in corporate finance, so BMO, Royal, CIBC. And then we saw technology really disrupting how capital formation happens within um, the commercial real estate industry. And we saw enormous gaps. And that's what we're here to, to bridge, to connect ordinary investors for small amounts to buy into large commercial properties or development projects for smaller amounts. That's incredible. I think that's something a lot of people can definitely get excited about because uh, real estate is something that everybody, every entrepreneur wants to get into. So this is incredible. Yeah, that's right. It's fixed income. It's steady returns. It's predictable. Uh, you know, money is a little bit illiquid, but uh, that's the nature of the real estate. You got to buy and hold. Uh, it's not like stocks uh, and bonds and ETFs where you can get in and out. Certainly those investments have opportunity in the portfolio of any investor, but commercial real estate uh, is more like fixed income. Uh, other than illiquidity, I think it's a very good asset class to invest in. Yeah, I again, I can't agree with you more. So on top of everything else that you're doing, you are actually sitting down on the Regulatory Burden Reduction Committee uh, and helping out regulators like the Ontario uh, Securities Commission hit their 25% burden reduction goal and challenge. Uh, could you just, uh, just, just explain that a little bit? Why is this goal important? What does this goal mean? And essentially the role of this? Yeah, so myself, along with a few other uh, individuals, entrepreneurs in the industry uh, at NCFA, National Crowdfunding Fintech Association, uh, there's been a steering committee uh, for burden reduction formed at that end. And uh, 
I, you know, I put my name in the hat and um, they, they selected me for that. So it's all a new initiative over at NCFA. And uh, so thank you uh, for listening to this. I think it's very important for all the entrepreneurs in the industry because securities laws, uh, obviously they protect the investors, but uh, entrepreneurship, uh, especially in the FinTech space, there are a lot of gaps and as small uh, businesses, small entrepreneurs trying to have a vision to do something bold and sticking with Canada and not going to Singapore or US or UK, uh, those economies have much better opportunities uh, and the regulatory framework is definitely a lot more flexible. We are laggards in Canada, no doubt about that, especially in Ontario. But what's really exciting right now is uh, uh, to the extent Ford government has really uh, taken, taken the bull by the horns, uh, red tape reduction, uh, burden reduction. This is exactly what we needed. So in 2019, I think it's going to be an exciting year. And uh, we are very excited to also see Ontario Securities Commission uh, Chair Maureen Jensen come out with uh, a, a circular a notice to the industry internally and externally, ex uh, exclusively on burden reduction. So we can talk a little bit about that too. But it's it's great time for entrepreneurs to get behind this because uh, this may be sometimes a secondary party item for a lot of entrepreneurs. We're all busy hiring and building our technology and building our businesses, hiring the you know the best talent and keeping them and uh, and also renting the space and every little thing as you know. But um, you are only as good as the regulator would allow you to. So there is absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind there should be that if they want to be in crypto, in uh, online investments, in uh, online marketplaces, technology-based uh, sale of securities, uh, security tokens, and uh, blockchain, uh, they need to get involved. They need to lobby, and they need to talk to the Minister of Finance. They need to talk to the securities regulator, and uh, get our collective voices heard, because those entities are open to change, and they're willing to listen. It's just we need to make an effort to make them understand what the gaps are. Yeah, again, I can't agree with you more. It's important to, like you mentioned, Canada's very laggard. Canada's traditionally very conservative when it comes to these kind of changes. And I mean, it's, it, it kind of makes sense, right? They want to make sure that whatever they're betting on, it's actually right for investors. So could you just talk a little bit more of, before we, like, before we touch back on what the minister and like what their uh, new vision is, could you just explain a little bit more of what the current regulatory framework looks like and what the key objectives are of said regulators? So the current uh, framework is extremely, extremely complicated. It is mind-blowingly complicated. Um, you need a lot of legal advice, which is extremely expensive. And even then, the, there is a disconnect between uh, the, the legal industry, the lawyer industry, the entrepreneurs, what, how we're trying to build our business, and the securities regulators' expectations of the policy and the framework they've set. There are huge. These the, the gaps are, 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 are very, very wide right now. And uh, they need to be bridged. And uh, where do we start? For example, let's talk about uh, harmonization. So Canada, it's like we have a dozen different countries. Every province has their own mind on how to sell and regulate um, investments in securities. Ontario Securities Commission is, uh, is the most conservative and the biggest one at the same time, too. Ontario has the most number of investors. BC has certainly been a role model in this regard. And uh, they've been consistently getting the best scores by CFIB, the Canadian Federation of uh, Independent Business, Small Businesses out there. So Ontario has been a laggard. Uh, it's good to see regulatory changes, political changes coming, but uh, there is so much more to be done. Uh, harmonization 
for example, that I'm talking about, uh, every province has their own mind in terms of how to regulate that. So online portals now are national and international in nature. Uh, there is no physical boundary. There is no paperwork. It's all digital. It's online. It's on the web. So uh, the gatekeeping of where an investor comes from and how they get into a deal, what amount they can invest in, things of that nature get extremely complicated. So it's like in Canada, somebody's trying to run a national platform. It's like you are trying to operate in like 12, 15 different jurisdictions globally within, within the same country. So uh, that is extremely painful for entrepreneurs. That, yeah, oh my God, I can't even, like you, you, you explaining that it's very, very complicated. That's, oh man, that gave me a little bit of anxiety. Um, could you just, uh, so where do you see the biggest gaps being then? Um, you've, you've briefly touched on it, but like, I guess to you, where do you see the biggest gaps being? In the so, for example, in Ontario, there is this so-called crowdfunding exemption, uh, which uh, about three years ago was announced uh, by the regulators and the government at the time to promote uh, capital flow into small to mid-sized businesses. Um, the way investments uh, get uh, formalized and uh, capital formation works, the, the accredited investors and offering memorandum and some of those exemptions uh, without getting into too much technicality, essentially there's a lot of burden and cost for a small or medium-sized business to raise capital from uh, the investment community uh, if they were to rely on some of those exemptions. So they came up with this crowdfunding exemption. It doesn't work. It's been three years, at least to the best of my knowledge, nobody has been able to use crowdfunding exemption. It was supposed to be if you're trying to raise small amounts, a million, two million dollars, it was supposed to make it easy for you as a business owner to tap into investment community, uh, AKA crowdfunding, to bring those investors into these deals without having to spend a fortune on the lawyers and the audited financial statements and a plethora of other paperwork. Um, ironically, not one, not one, it's like blasphemous. Nobody's been able to use that exemption because the way it has been structured, it's just lip service. It does not work. For example, there's a marketing restriction. So if you are running a small business and you want to raise a million bucks and you go to our portal or some of the other portals like uh, a front funder or a, a, you know, a lending loop and some of these others, they cannot rely on this exemption in Ontario and advertise to the broader market on the internet that we are raising, you are raising money through us, through our portal, through the investment community um, and investors can invest. There is an advertising and marketing restriction. Uh, and yet, on top of that, there is an audited financial statement required, even though you only raise half a million dollars of capital. And anybody who is doing the audited financial statements knows that they can cost anywhere from twenty-five to $50,000, right? So you can imagine you're trying to raise half a million bucks and you, you're spending uh, twenty-five dollars to $50,000 on audited statements alone per year, right? And then... Whatever is left, you are there's cost of capital to raise, there's portal costs as well, the regulatory filings, the legal costs. Uh, I mean, the model has been has been put together in a way that it's completely doomed to fail from day one, and the proof is there. Nobody's used it. So a lot of these things need to be rehashed and changed, and the industry together needs to uh, verbalize and vocalize uh, their pain points to make the change happen. How else is it inf impacting the industry, especially to new entrepreneurs and small business in the fintech space, aside from the crowdfunding? I mean, there's a lot of excitement. People go to these conferences. There are a lot of young people. There's tremendous amount of talent in Toronto and Ontario and Kitchener-Waterloo. I think we have uh, good universities. We have a uh, good work ethic. 
So we have a we have a great um, uh, talent pool, uh, and a lot of those uh, millennials are interested in uh, jumping into the entrepreneurship uh, world. Um, and it's very challenging. Access to capital is extremely challenging. The regulatory framework to set up your business and your company, the red tape that you have to go through, is excruciatingly painful. But the worst is if you are in any business that can be uh, perceived as in the business of selling investments or furtherance of trade, you get regulated. And now, how you get regulated, how you get licensed, and how you have to maintain that, there's a tremendous amount of burden on smaller firms to get the answers in a timely fashion. It takes forever. There, there's no simplicity in the process. It's extremely complex, and it can be very discouraging for a lot of small entrepreneurs. And we've seen a lot of companies either never really took off or they took off and they just failed. Uh, and there are numerous examples where in Ontario, we're really pushing talent away or we are setting them up for failure because the red tape and the burden is huge. It is hard as it is to start a business. Uh, you know, the, the wages are very expensive. The rent's very expensive in Toronto. And somebody is able to sustain the business organically. Uh, the regulation and the burden just is a complete killer. So there is a huge long list of uh, the tombstones in the graveyard of all these young entrepreneurs who wanted to start up something, but they just got caught up in all of this. And uh, it was a failure. Yeah. I mean, hopefully with uh, these new regulatory changes and just hopefully the new, uh, the, the excitement <laughs> in the fintech space in and of itself, hopefully uh, a lot of these young entrepreneurs can kind of look past that and not like, like you've, like we mentioned before, kind of go abroad and like start businesses elsewhere. Like you mentioned in Singapore, what may have you, um, you did briefly uh, touch on the CFIB report. Do you have any comments uh, based on the report that just came out? Yeah, so, I mean, the people can Google that and read more about that. There was a Financial Post article on that, but uh, I think one of the most encouraging things were that we were consistently getting a C, C minus D rating for last several years, I think over a decade. And finally, we jumped from C minus, I believe, last year to A minus, if, if my stats are right, something like that. So we made a significant jump, uh, but at least a direct result of uh, the, the Ford government and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Fidelity's office trying to push down uh, at the grassroots level to cut the red tape and reduce the burden. So uh, Ontario Open for Business team, it's certainly going around. And um, what was personally very encouraging for me was that on January 14th, like only 10 days ago or so, um, Ontario Securities Commission came out uh, and uh, they have set up a an agenda, uh, a task force, to reduce the burden on uh, smaller entrepreneurs like us by 25%. Uh, and this is directly the result of a government's, uh, uh, the government of Ontario's Open for Business Action Plan. So I think we definitely need to give kudos to the government to helping us out. Uh, it does flow to the grassroots level. Now, it's too early to see how the results are and how it all pans out, but I think the first step, Ontario Securities Commission is asking the questions um, anybody interested in this, they can just Google burden reduction Ontario Securities Commission staff notice, and they should be able to see a summary of that. But uh, the regulator is starting to ask some of the key questions. For example, um, are there operational or procedural changes which would make uh, our day-to-day -day, uh, life easier or less costly? Um, are there ways to get greater certainty regarding the regulatory requirements? Because we have oftentimes waited for over a year to get approval on, on something simple. 
uh, lost in bureaucracy. So when we see this, it's very encouraging. Uh, there are questions around, are there forms and filings uh, that we and uh, other um, market participants need to submit that can be lessened? Uh, are there other items that are unduly burdensome? So all of this is very encouraging, and I, I really hope that our community will participate. They're asking for feedback. I think uh, Craig Asano at NCFA is doing a phenomenal job putting it all together. So people should reach out to him, write to him, and uh, and also make the comments uh, available to Ontario Securities Commission at uh, comments at osc.gov.on.ca. Um, it's very important for, for the industry to lobby this together. Yeah. Hey, again, shout out to uh, shout out to Craig. I mean, that guy cannot get championed enough. He's doing uh, absolutely incredible things in the industry. And I mean, having having amazing people like you and having people like Craig and just having so many incredible people in the industry advocating for change. I think um, I, I really think it's just a matter of time because every single person in the fintech industry has a very great personal brand behind them and they have like amazing audiences behind them. So it's like, hey, we're, you guys are just shedding light on issues and topics and concerns. So I think, again, it, I think it's just a matter of time yeah. for everything that happens. I think one of the things, and what you're doing is also extremely helpful. Uh, you, you are part of this chain. You are going to make this uh, incrementally better for each of us, maybe exponentially better. And uh, what you're doing is extremely important to get our voices heard. And, uh, you know, in the internet age with the, with the blogs and podcasts, I think the message goes fast and people appreciate that. But, you know, one of the guys that I think you should interview on, on your next one uh, should be Grant Wingo. He is vice chair of OSE, Ontario Securities Commission. Um, I've had an opportunity to meet with him. Um, a very, very nice individual, very professional. He understands the pain point and he has expressed uh, enormous willingness to help uh, the, the industry. So I think uh, they need to be on these uh, podcasts. Uh, there is another individual, Nizam Kanji. He's, uh, he's director of uh, uh, M&A, and he's the special advisor to the chair on regulatory burden reduction. You should get Nizam Kanji on your show as well. Uh, and uh, these things are extremely important to do. I just wrote that uh, while, while you're giving me the names, I'm just writing them down and I'm, I'm going to lock them in for the next couple episodes. So we'll have like our little uh, <laughs> burden reduction, regular uh, regulatory uh, little, little theme there. We mentioned the minister a little bit. Could you just looping back? Could you explain what the guidance kind of looks like? What are you excited about? What are you not excited about? I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of excitement going behind this, but there's probably a lot of concerns. Could you voice a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, look, this is all positive. It is definitely extremely, extremely positive. So what uh, Fidelity's uh, office, what uh, Ford government's messaging, open for business, burden reduction, all these good things that they're saying, uh, what's encouraging is that it would appear that it's just not lip service, that it's actually getting pushed down to the grassroots level through the government and associated bodies, whether that's Ministry of Labor, uh, Ontario Securities Commission, Financial Services Commission of Ontario, and many, many, many other layers of regulatory, you know, bodies out there. So it's a very encouraging step. And uh, they've, they've made a blanket statement, 25% burden reduction. And I think that's extremely important to set that kind of a milestone. Because other than that, it's just a bunch of words and it doesn't mean anything. So that feedback down to the different government bodies to take action is, uh, is bubbling through the industry. So it's very encouraging to see that. 
Is there anything else that you're currently excited about? I mean, being, be it in the real estate space, being in the fintech space, uh, 2019 is a new year. I mean, everybody has their one thing that they're excited about. Could you just for a second, give us a little bit more insight of what you're really, really excited to see in 2019, hopefully flourish. Right. So look, uh, you know, perhaps I can uh, talk about uh, platforms like ours, and I'm sure there are many others uh, in, in different industries, uh, the value that they're creating. So what does R2 fundamentally do that's different than uh, the public markets and uh, other opportunities out there? Uh, the public markets, uh, the, the REIT stock, somebody can invest in a Rio can or some of these other uh, equities out there. It's public market risk. You get 4 to 5% uh, distribution and uh, then uh, the real estate could be fine if the stock market takes a tumble uh, your stock does too uh, the large real estate is in the hands of billions of dollars of pension fund managers investment managers institutional money managers large family offices and basically high net worth guys and girls but the masses they like real estate look around real estate is all around you but how do you participate in that how do you take a little investment of your holding into real estate. It was impossible because all of that is private. You could buy it, you know, if somebody has a rich dad, they can certainly pull together two, three million bucks and buy a property worth eight million, take a mortgage for five or six, put the two or three million in cash and have a nice 15% return over uh, per year for the next three to four years, right? Uh, but fundamentally, the value we are creating, uh, groups like our, us, uh, ours are creating in the industry is that we are allowing investors to invest into those kind of deals for small amounts, $10,000, $25,000, and sometimes even smaller. So what we are doing is we are opening up a source of capital for property owners and developers who need that capital formation to be able to do more product. Uh, yes, they charge a fee, but they are happy to share the profits out of the rental income and development profits. Um, and at the same time, we are opening up uh, investment opportunities for small investors to invest into property direct. So uh, how the regulators and the government allow us to work is going to fundamentally change lives of many people and their investment in wealth holdings, right? Um, the wealth simples, uh, you know, what they have done allowed small investors to go online in a fun, exciting manner. Um, but uh, those groups, uh, groups like ours, we, we are only as good as the regulator would allow us to. And the bandwidth is small, right? Like our runway is small. So if we either we, we get over the hump and we survive or the burden takes over and it kills the business and then the innovation moves to other jurisdictions. And we as Canadians, we cannot afford to leave uh, talent from Canada elsewhere. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, just uh, talking to like CEOs that are building companies in Canada, building companies in Toronto. Um, the, the talent pool in Canada is actually incredible. Uh, something that a lot, that a lot of Canadians, if not maybe the world may overlook. Um, and just letting that die and letting that talent pool just kind of go to waste. That just would be such a shame. But I mean, on the, on the positive end, you are seeing a lot more, um, last year, especially this year, a lot of international investments coming into Canada, actually seeing hey, wow, Canada actually has really talented people, very interesting, very smart people, and they're building something very incredible. Let's get, let's get a part of this. Let's try to grab a piece of this or let's try to build this to become the next Singapore or what may have you, right? 100%, 100%. We, we are attracting talent from other jurisdictions. Uh, I think there's a lot more to be done there. Uh, we are certainly, uh, you know, there's tons of talent here that we need to retain better. You know, I think diversity is our strength. Uh, I think... Uh, 
uh, with all the backgrounds we have, that, that thriving entrepreneurship that comes along with a lot of immigrants, uh, they come with a dream. I think all of that makes Canada a unique place. So our regulators and our government needs to help us to to bring some of the success stories outside of Canada and make them global success stories. Uh, Canada is a small market as it is. Uh, economies of scales are incredibly difficult to attain in Canada. But on top of that, we have all this burden. So unless we innovate and be flexible, we cannot create, like look at how many Canadian success stories are out there, especially in the technology space, compared to the stories coming out of China or India or, uh, or US, obviously, right? We are far behind, but we can do so much better. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. Taking stories like yours, taking stories like some of the past guests that we've had, or just, just Canadian success stories and kind of projecting it into the global marketplace, I think that's just going to help us even more and let outside eyes kind of understand of like what's kind of going on and hopefully help grow. Because Canada, like you said, it's a very, very small market and it has such a potential to be such a power player. But as of yet, like we're, we're making steps, but we're not there yet. 100%. Right. So thank you for your time. Uh, yeah. I do have to run for a meeting unless there's any last. Uh, no, the last one would be what's the best way to contact you? Do we email you? Do we Snapchat you um, to, for people to want to get into R2 Investments or just to talk to you directly and to understand a little bit more? Well, the, uh, my personal contact is best on uh, LinkedIn, which is Amar, A-M-A-R, last name Nijar, N-I-J-J-A-R. And uh, R2, like R, R2D2 without the D2. Uh, so if somebody LinkedIn me that, I, I'm more than happy to accept the invitations, engage with them. Uh, our website to learn more about how we are innovating in the space is uh, r2-re.com. RE as in real estate. So r2-re.com. Awesome. So Amar, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. And yeah, I, I wish you all the best. Can't wait to have you on our show again. Thank you. And yeah, that's it. That's the end of the show. On the behalf of Canada's leading National Fintech and Crowdfunding Association, I wish you an amazing Fintech Friday and weekend. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org.